This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Today, it's my pleasure to bring to you a leader who is the rarest of rare leaders. At this podcast, it's a pleasure to bring to you leaders from all walks of life, leaders from all over the world, to bring to each one of you different secrets to showcase that there's not one kind of leader. One of the things I've also find is winning is very fun. I enjoy winning, but at the same time, winning big is where the real fun happens because winning big puts us on the path to sustainable, big, long-term wins. So today, it's absolutely a pleasure to bring to you Christina Scala. Christina is an award-winning entrepreneur. She's transforming education by equipping future leaders to be life ready. In her current role, she is the founder and president of Aspen Academy, a national leader in innovative education, the nation's first integrated pre-K through eighth grade leadership and entrepreneurial development program. So many a time watching college football to everywhere, we see the word first used nearly every time. But let me put this little bit in perspective. There are two kinds of leaders I talk to. One are incredible leaders who lead their teams across the finish line for big wins, and then they take them to the next big win. Christina is part of that rare group of leaders who take serious responsibility to equip future leaders and make them life ready. Life ready is very important. And that's the part where I was very intrigued with what Christina is doing at Aspen Academy and taking it beyond. Here are three reasons I found that three ways Christina is developing the future leaders of the community and the country and the world. Number one, she is helping each person, each student, be the best they can. So here's a story I would tell you about Aspen Academy. In past lives, Christina was working for a conforming school where they were producing triangular, circular, you know, very conforming education. That's what a lot of us know from outside. Christina did this one thing. She quit because she knew she could do something bigger, something better. And that's what I want to know more from her today. And then one day when Christina was looking at the beautiful Colorado sunset, she looks at the aspen trees around and she realizes that each leaf oscillates at its own frequency, but they're connected at common roots. And that's what she built Aspen Academy, where all the kids are connected with common values. Values to be great community leaders great entrepreneurs, great citizens of the world, but they each get the opportunity 
to blossom and be the best they can be and oscillate with pride in the world. So giving each student that opportunity is very important. Secondly, Christina doesn't have a playbook from 1990s or 2010 or even 2015. She's constantly maximizing. So each student getting maximum opportunity is very important. And for that, there are programs she has put in place like the Bear Student Enterprise. This is a, for, this is a part of the school who runs, this is the student body they run a for-profit business. And every year there's a total turnover. So which means for those of us who are in the business world, we really need to understand that this is a business for 52 quarters has been profitable, even though every four quarters complete management to everything changes. She has also put in a created opportunities for 500 plus Shark Tag presentations. And of course, the moment I heard that, I right away wanted to ask Christina, how many of those have been bigger successes but I was smart enough to pause because what I learned was all 500 plus were more successful than me who has zero Shark Tank appearances. Think sixth grader, seventh grader, eighth grader. The confidence they live with once they get to Shark Tank and then so many of them are getting recognitions. How that changes their life. I had goosebumps meeting some of these kids and listening to their presentations. If that was not enough, now Christina is taking the Aspen Academy secret sauce to all over the world through future holders. And I really want to know more about that. Christina, welcome to Secrets to Win Big. Thank you for having me. So Christina, I just have to ask you this question at the very beginning. What was the defining moment in life that made you commit to betterment of education? Um, I, I, I wish I could tell you that there was just one, right? I, um, I, think that, I think that for some of us, you know, we walk through the world um, and, and it doesn't matter where we walk into the world, that whatever we're in, we have a mindset that says we're gonna make it better. And, you know, that can be a real pain in the neck, you know, if I were to walk into a restaurant and say, oh, I could make this better. <laughs> mm -hmm. But when it comes to, you know, what I aligned myself with professionally, um, it was it was really a, a very happenstance kind of situation that landed me into education. Um, I was doing a lot of uh, consulting with a variety of organizations around systems and processes, especially around efficiency and effectiveness with regard to establishing a strong vision and then being able to execute across it. So I landed into education and it was with that same fervor that I went after that. It just happened to be that that industry was education. The more that I got into education and started really looking at what was happening, not only um, you know in our state, but in our country, and then how that was, um, how that was comparing to what was happening in, in, internationally um, is where I got part like incredibly motivated and passionate about the particular subject. But then there was another part of me, um, which I think for a lot of entrepreneurs exists is almost a base undercurrent, which is a certain sense of honoriness, right? Like 
like there's like this is nonsense like i know we can make this better and i think that um so i think that there's there's that mindset piece and then when you think about moments um that come to mind i would tell you that the most crystalline moment that i can remember is um back in 2004 reading the wall and uh the tim study had just come out the trends in international math and science scores in the united states you know when when the test first started coming or like tests were out you know 60s 70s was always number one in the world in terms of academic performance um and then there had been a precipitous decline and and then the last 10 years at that point country of Singapore had ranked number one in both math and science. Okay. And I thought, well, you know, this is absurd, right? You know, and so I started really studying, you know, how much money we're putting into education. And as it turned out, all of the research yielded that the United States spends more per pupil than any other country in the world. Those are both um, government funded um, programs as well as with uh, private investment. Um, so more money than any other country, and yet our students were performing, you know, really in that bottom third at that point across math, science, and, um, and, and literacy. And so I think it was probably that that, quite frankly, pissed me off enough um, and, and caused me to think, like, you know, there's, there's got to be a better way. And so it was probably that moment more than anything. That said we've got to we, we've got to make a wholesale change i love that i really also feel the spirit that you shared about in any situation walking in and feeling that ownership that i can make it better because many a time we wait for others and the moment we say we which means we minus i that is others but i really love the fact of you taking ownership the second is how you, you know, in the business side, I look at is once you find that key one inside that makes action inevitable. And that's what you presented in a some simple way that this could be for any business, you know, is we are putting more money than anybody per student, but our output is bottom third, not acceptable. Right. So, just extending on that question, at what point did education evolve from a profession to a life passion to now, as you talked about, you know, you know, the word you're getting pissed off. I really think that we say that when we really connect. So yeah. at what point does did education become a mission in your life, like the only core mission? Yeah. Um, I, if I could. Um, have a little bit of liberty to talk about the word passion. Yes, please. I, I have, you know, parents, you know, hundreds, thousands of parents that I talk with every year. And when I ask them, you know, what is it that you want for your kiddo? And I say, I want my kiddo to be happy. I want them to be, you know, passionate. I want them to figure out what their passions are. And, and after the years, I, I would offer this coaching. And that is that rarely do we become passionate about one particular thing. Um, instead, what I ask parents to do is to reconsider and to reframe their thinking to what would it take to develop a passionate human being. So that is to say the subject is not my passion. Um, 
it is it is me who is passionate and and i i try to live my life like that in a 360 perspective right if the only thing that i was passionate about was uh was was education then i would be um perhaps somewhat of a myopic individual and would probably burn out in in short order and so i think the cultivation of what it takes to be a passionate human being to be infinitely curious mm. and infinitely committed um to creating something creating something that um you know in the entrepreneur's world is that's more efficient that's more effective um that um that that satisfies um, needs and wants and makes things better. So, so that's kind of my soapbox on the word passionate. In terms of when- Can I ask you a follow-up question there is, yeah. I loved what you talked about on at the end, it's all about what does it take to make an individual passionate and you talked about infinitely curious and infinitely committed. How do you make, help somebody find the passion yeah. Like, how do you make a person a passionate individual? Yeah, oh, I love that question. Um, for for adults, I usually tell them it means like zipping your lip, right? Like get some duct tape out and 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 quit allowing your thoughts to become what's occurring in the frontal lobe of a child. So that is to say, follow the child. A child usually shows up in the world with a lot of natural curiosity. And quite frankly, if you can move. Um, adults out of their ego and out of their fears, they can tap into those naturally curious moments. Um, it's just that a lot of folks have, have stuffed that down to such a degree. And so once you start to tease out curiosities, what we start to look at in our model is how do we create that muscle of success? And the muscle of success for us looks like this, is how do we put something that's just in front of you so that there is a reach factor, right? Because if I just give you a softball and, and you don't have to do much, you know, you're not going to develop much muscle around it. But if in every subject and in every moment that you're curious and every question that you ask and in every question that I ask you, there's a reach in it. You, there's something that you have to pull from outside of you to extend towards a new possibility, a new possibility of content knowledge, a new possibility of perspective a new concept, a new possibility of way of doing, way of being, way of saying. And so I think that as we look at that, that space, it really is teasing out the habit of curiosity. Well, what if, how about, um, you know, could this work? Or, you know, I had this idea. I love those as precursors to, to a sentence. And so, um, you know, I think that, you know, we, we have all gotten, you know, as parents, you know, we've gotten over-involved in our kids' lives. We like to prescribe a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that, you know, our experiences ask more, say less, um, and, um, and give plenty of opportunities to reach and for hard stuff. You know, somehow or another, like that concept of giving kids and human beings really hard stuff to tackle, like something like a bone with a lot of meat to chew on. Mm -hmm. uh, we've we've bite-sized it, you know, in the same way we kind of bite-size our news and make it more convenient. Sometimes we try to do that with other human beings. And I'm not talking about just kids. Sometimes we do it with employees or what have you. Like 
human beings are really well situated um, to take on large, complex kind of thinking. Um, the sooner you start that habit, um, the easier. But but I think that that's part of what makes passion, right? Passion, you know, is is a lot like the concept of self-esteem. You know, self-esteem for a long time was a was a language um, that we thought we could give to kids, right? Mm -hmm. Or to give to coworkers or to employees that work for us or what have you. And you know, and that's just coined the term self-esteem said that it was a product. It was the product of two different factors. One, I know that I got over something hard on my own. And that's a really important thing. I got over something hard on my own. I achieved something on my own, of my own capacity. And number two, I know that I'm authentically contributing to my community, whatever that community is. I mean, that could be a classroom, it could be a place of work, it could be your family, whatever the case might be. But it's those two things that are prerequisites for the product of self-esteem. And I think that probably passion is a, a passionate life is probably a lot like that. You know, it's someone who's had plenty of opportunities to, to like, you know, figure out this didn't work out. So let me try it again. And that didn't work out. I'm going to try that again. Um, but that no one is trying to prepare the path for them, but to prepare them for the path. And knowing that the path is is curious and it's um, and it's got a lot of tangents. How a passion to go back to your original question, how a passion can become a mission. Um, that's that's a really interesting factor, right? Because I think that you know when you are a passionate human being and you grab hold of that way of being as as um as kind of just how the blood flows through your particular person mm -hmm. um i think that then it is in fact your passion that becomes your mission wherever you go i'm involved in several different things um education happens to be at the epicenter of it but you know just so you know the, the secret is education is the epicenter for almost everything i think um that's my that's my humble perspective mm -hmm. that passion um, has become a mission um, that says every day I'm going to do good, right? That's my that's my mission. I'm going to do good. We're going to make the world better, and um, and when we live in that space, um, it it colors virtually everything that we do because we're not we're never checking off the list. Mm -hmm. Like those of us who are committed to this passionate way of life, there is no there's no task list. There's just possibilities every day. And, and as we walk through our day, and you know, certainly the operations of the day, we're all running businesses, you can checklist it. Like that is to say, I did this without thinking about, well, but did I do it the best way that it possibly could be done? And does it serve and does it support and does it edify and does it inspire? the people who are doing it and the people that we're doing it for. Is I love this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to me, what I like is not only did you put it in perspective, first from education, but from parents' point of view, but life, but also leadership. Mm -hmm. And if I just take 
few seconds to paraphrase what it meant to me and others in leadership position is as a leader, zip your lips, <laughs> let every member of the team, let's see where they take it. Okay. My job as a leader is tease out the habit of curiosity, reach in every possibilities for every possibility. And the two things that you talked about, because you were not talking just at a higher level, you were showing some very tactical things people can do. And there were quite a few, but the two I really wrote down, I wrote down and I, it really resonated with me where one is stop creating bite-sized tasks. Know that people, we as human beings love to and are equipped to tackle the difficult, hard stuff. And secondly, this to me was like a billboard material is what you talked about was instead of preparing the path for them, prepare them for the path. So one of the things there also, Christina, you talked a little bit about make the world better and your personal values. I just want to switch the conversation to there for a second is, you know, I've listened to you talk and you have talked about, you always talk about and you live your personal value with a system which is be kind, do good, work hard, make the world better. How has that influenced you in your journey forward? Um, in, in every way. I, you know, I mean, it is, I, I do a lot of coaching on, on writing, you know, determining and writing and then living out what one's personal values, their mission and their vision is. We talk about vision as, you know, it's like the X on the map. You know, it's, it's the thing that people are going to say at your funeral. The mission is, is the path that you're going to take to get to that X on the map. Values is how you're going to show up as you're on that path. And, um, and so I've lived by these principles, you know, for decades now, you know, of, of a value of my singular value is, is to be kind. Um, my mission is to, to do good and to work hard. And the vision that I've set for, for my life is, is to make the world better. Um, there's no ego in that statement. It's just that, you know, with the space that I'm, the space, the time and, and the oxygen that I'm given is, is how can I do that over the course of my daily way of being? Um, and in terms of, of how that affects and impacts, certainly from, you know, I, I think that none of, I think that it would be fair to say that there are none of us who operate any aspect of our life in a vacuum, right? Like there's no single business Arjun or a, a, a singular business Christina, right? Like I am every part of my life, personal, family, business, and community, they're all integrated. Um, and so, so that mission, vision, and value, it has to be, a, be able to be applicable across those four different quadrants, at least in my perspective. And it becomes sometimes aspirational because there are certainly sometimes that I don't feel like being kind and then I slip. Um, and so then it moves from aspirational to also accountability. 
because it also is the thing that when I put my head down on the pillow at night and I have to reflect and go, wow, I was really crabby with somebody today and not especially kind, that has to create that accountability system so that it, it creates a path for me to go back and to repair that and reconcile that relationship. Um, and then, but I always tell folks that in your mission, vision, values, is that if you can't answer, either did it or I didn't do it, when you set your head on the pillow at night, then it's not a good thing our values. Um, because it is, it's your scorecard. It's your daily scorecard. You know, I mean, in businesses, we talk about KPIs all the time. Um, in, in my framework and in my experience, your personal mission, vision, and values, those are your daily uh, ego, and I would probably argue soulful scorecard KPIs that makes sense yes absolutely and to me many a time we try to have a two-day session to create a mission vision value for an organization and we argue for half a day what is vision what is mission values yeah. most of us get it and I really love the simple way you put it is vision the x on the map mission the path to get there and value is how you show up okay and what i also loved is this you broke it down into the two dimensions it's not just absolute there's an aspirational but we being human beings there are times we are not perfect but then it just becomes an accountability and as you talked about at the end of the day, based on this clarity, either I did it or I didn't. And if I did, you know, reach back and pat on my back and then move forward. If not, tomorrow's a new day. But I really love the simplicity with which you defined all three. Now, I want to go back to something, you know, I really want to know more about. And as a restaurant, you know, in the restaurant business or hospitality business, I just have no clue how a business can go through 52 quarters of positive revenue with this kind of a turnover. So let's talk a little bit about the Bear Students Enterprise. How, you know, tell me a little bit about that and what was the vision behind it and how it is shaping the youth to take care and deal with future and stealing your word, how it is preparing them for the, for the path of the future. When I was in university, I had a unique experience. Um, the, I went to the California State University system and the college that I went to um, had one of the only student owned and run businesses um, in, in, the, in the United States. And it was an amazing opportunity. I was president and CEO uh, when I was 20 years old. I had over 500 employees. Um, you know, we were making you know, $14 million. You know, I mean, I certainly was not qualified for the, for the role, but I got elected by my, by my classmates into that space. Um, during that time, the universities tried to make an illegal takeover of the business, and we ended up taking them to both court and legislature and creating So between the ages of 20 and 21, um, I had a trial by fire experience of, of leading and, and managing a business through, through a pretty intense moment. And, you know, I, I, I could argue very safely at this point that I knew very little, very little more. Is that a, is that a right? <laughs> Not too much more when I was 20 than when I was 
13 or 14. I mean, you know, I'd gone through high school, but in terms of life experience and what have you, I, I venture to say that that's probably not too different than many other folks. Um, so the idea came that like that was such a impactful experience in my life and in terms of like who I was as a human being as well as my knowledge of my potential capacity. Um, and also, quite frankly, it just knocked the fear out of me. Like there was no choice. Like sometimes you just got to knock the fear out of you. Like, you know, if you know that there's no other way to get to the other side except for to cross that rickety bridge, but you know, by how, by, you know, you're going to do it to do it like there's a certain there's a certain muscle it's like that reach and success that i talked to you about to develop that muscle anyways um i thought it was such an awesome experience that uh, life had given me that i thought we'd go ahead and give it to the kids so here's what it looks like is that vera student enterprise um is has the youngest board of directors in the united states the students own and operate all of the auxiliary businesses on campus which include uh, the, the, the food services, the cafe, the um, broadcasting and media divisions, publications division, um, as well as the, as the store. So there's retail, there's food service, there's media, there's, pub, you know, it's everything. Um, they keep threatening me that they want to they wanna open up a bank. It's somehow or another, I've been able to persuade them to hold off on that. But they do have a microloan center as well for other student entrepreneurs. Um, they begin their, um, their opportunities to be involved in that organization when they're 12 years old. Um, all, it is compulsory involvement for all of our seventh graders. So in the second semester of their seventh grade year, they apply for the role and responsibility that they want. They have a full C-suite, a full executive suite, a full board of directors. Um, and then they have operational divisions within each of those areas. And, and let me, we've, we've made one rule for the kids um, and, and quite frankly, for the adults. And that is that if I ever see um, an adult behind the counter, the businesses, all of the businesses will get shut down automatically because this is a fail forward experiment. Um, the first semester, the kids always lose money. Every single semester for 15 years now, they've lost money. But that, by that time, they are now learning from their failures as opposed to a prescriptive, here's how you do what you do. Mm -hmm. In most restaurants, right, like um, you'll have a protocol of onboarding somebody. And we do that, but we do it in more principle-led um, kind of instruction as opposed to operational-led instruction so that they have several, and it's intended, and it, um, it's painful, but it's um, but intentional failures from September to about December. By that point, they learned how to actually read their monthly P&Ls. Um, they learned how to manage their inventory. They've learned how to manage people. And listen, managing a fellow 12-year-old is not for the faint of heart. And um, and so they've grown into that process. By January, they are turning turning it around. And they're moving it into a really profitable um, environment because you know they they've learned and they've been mentored in not not by somebody who's telling them what they should do, but in fact sharing their own experiences and asking the right questions and keep asking the questions so that in fact what happens 
is that the kids are developing that muscle of understanding that the answer is inside of them and that they are the owner, right? Like no one's coming. It's on you, right? If you're Bear Student Enterprises, uh, uh, president of the cafe, there's no, there's no one else who's got your gig. It's you. So if you learn that at 12 and 13 and 14 years of age, what it is to operate in the world of like no one's coming, I better figure this out. It's an awesome muscle. I love that. So, um, so that's what they do. And, and every year they have eked out a profit. You know, each class um, has made different levels. You know, some have, have just come across the finish line limping, um, you know, into, into a profitable um, place. And others have just killed it all the way through. But in the process, they've all grown and learned these amazing skills of everything from human resource issues to legal issues, finance, accounting, inventory management, inventory control, um, you know, you name it, and they've done it. Yeah, and what I like is if every business on this planet could in three to four months see what is going wrong, take ownership, and turn it around. Like to me, I really feel that that part of the story is so brilliant that each is there's not a playbook on the mistakes that happen, the common, like frequently asked questions on the common mistakes. Like each group learns it their own way and finds their whole path based on that simple principle is no adults behind the counter. No one else is coming to rescue me, which means I better figure it out because I am the last person in charge. And I really think that kind of a turnover is, I think we learn best from mistakes. And I really think it's not just mistakes to me. I really think it's a learning adventure as you talked about failing forward. I really think that moves us forward. So that's fascinating. So from there, can we move to futures, uh, future holders? Like what's the vision for this? Like, how are you taking the Aspen Academy sauce and making an impact to education worldwide? So let me provide a little bit of context. So, um, so we have a brick and mortar school. It's a pre-kindergarten through eighth grade school. Bear Student Enterprises is a program within that. Um, and the idea there was to teach the kids um, you know, basic organizational principles, management, change leadership, finance, and what have you. Um, from there, we then developed the Aspen Youth Leadership Institute, which focused on um, developing a specific curriculum that developed leadership in every single human being that came through our doors. Um, and so we focused on, on personal leadership. So a lot of that is on social and emotional intelligence. Um, the second part of that is social leadership. The third part of that is, is really looking at civic leadership. Um, so knowing that, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected, and, um, and that we each have an expectation of contributing to our community in a positive and productive way. The third organization that uh, formed up was the Aspen um, Entrepreneurial Institute. That focused on, from an entrepreneurial perspective, this idea of economics, entrepreneurial mindset, and execution, and personal and organizational financial acumen. What we did is we combined all three of those programs to create um, the nation's first um, online academy that focuses on personal leadership and 
personal and organizational leadership development, as well as entrepreneurial development in kids kindergarten through 12th grade. So that represents, I don't know if you know this, Arjun, but you know, there are 55 million children in the United States that, that meet that criterion of, um, of enrolled in kindergarten through 12th grade. Um, there are 130,000 schools around America. You know, so you, you, know, you can create the multiplier as we move out internationally. Challenges is that these are these are life skills, right? I mean, you know, we go, we we've all gone through through 12, 13 years of education, you know, 16, 20 years of education, and we've been really focused on these academic content areas. Very rarely do schools spend any of their of their time focused on the skills that are actually going to apply in real life. You know, how I show up as an emotionally intelligent human being, or how I don't. Mm -hmm affect virtually everything that I have the capacity or the opportunity to do. And it's going to cause me to either have more opportunities or less, right? So we believe that that's an essential skill. We believe that financial acumen, forget financial literacy. I'm not interested in financial literacy. You know, financial literacy is I can identify a nickel and a dime and a dollar. What I want to know is can you use it and do you have the habit and practice of it? So a lot of times these programs come in as what we call parachute programs into school. And, you know, it'll kind of be like Disneyland for the day and we're learning this new particular thing. And, you know, there's a dynamic speaker and we're talking about leadership or we're talking about anti-bullying or we're talking about social justice or we're talking about financial literacy, whatever. For us, it's a daily habit. So those lessons occur on a daily basis. Um, so there's explicit instruction in those on an everyday basis. And now what we're doing is we're taking that particular model, we've moved it to an online academy that allows it to be accessible to 55 million children and the teachers at 130,000 schools. Teachers very rarely have been taught in leadership development, right? They haven't gone through tons of Covey courses or whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. They haven't gotten that, you know, they weren't brought up to be an entrepreneur. They may never have seen themselves as an entrepreneur. Um, and in fact, you know, can, it can, can be quite, you know, effective rule followers, which not all entrepreneurs are. <laughs> and so, um, so what this does is it gives that opportunity for any teacher, you know, I don't care from Arkansas to Maine to California to Texas to be able to plug into a, a true plug and play curriculum that will allow them to move their child, move each of their students, or in the case of the parents who are purchasing the program, to be able to move their child through an entire year of leadership and entrepreneurial development curriculum and execution. Wow. Yeah. So if there's this young boy, or girl sitting yeah. right in front of you. In a couple of sentences, what would you tell that kid is the promise that future holders will, like what would open for this kiddo, boy or girl, once they go through this in a year, what would happen? What would happen is that they would discover all of the genius and possibility and potential and worth that is in each one of them. Potential and worth, that's huge. And this is what I like is, as I've heard you a little bit now earlier and today, is 
you're just literally helping people find what's already inside. You're not putting anything new. Like you are helping them get everything out. And these are skills that will stay with them for the rest of their life. Like it should come with a caution that this change is permanent. No going back after that. <laughs> yeah, a rubber band once stretched can never return to its original. Absolutely. And that, I love that. Yeah. So today you're listening to Christina Scala, a committed who is committed to taking generations of future leaders and make them life ready by transforming education. And we just heard a little bit of snippet on future leaders. And we just, you know, as we started going, sorry, future holders. And of course, at the end, we'll talk about how you can get more information. So Christian, just to move forward, you know, most leaders have, you know, they break some rules. Top athletes remove the word no from their dictionary. So mm -hmm. what are a few words or phrases not in Christina's dictionary? Um, whatever the pot, whatever the opposite would be of everything's possible. Mm -hmm. Let's try this. Let's go. Whatever the opposite of all that is, you know, stagnation, it can't be done. We don't do that. It just, it just doesn't exist in our vernacular. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, that we, we read what we want to model and what we want to execute on is let's constantly be looking for those solutions. Um, you know, we're in an incredibly interesting time right now. And, um, and I talk to folks constantly about the difference between problems and dilemmas, right? Problems can just be fixed, right? Mm -hmm. There's a logical solution. There's a creative and logical solution in dilemmas. Um, it requires us to move into a four dimensional matrix that, that really has to have our entire being in a state of everything's possible. Let's assume that we can decide what's right mm -hmm. and what's good and that there is a path possible towards that, that will make that possible. And you know, this also connects so well. Two weeks back, I talked to Professor Parthapathim Chakraborty, we call him PPC. He was the director of the Institute Engineering College where I went to in India. Mm -hmm. And he is a kid at heart. You know, this guy is a brilliant man, finished his PhD in three years, and it's like humble to the core. And he talked about any place he goes, he finds out what people say, it can never be done. Like he knows that that's the opportunity. That's all he does is tries to make a list of what people are saying in that particular department, what cannot be done. And he yeah. knows that that's the list of opportunities which are ready. And I'm so glad that, you know, both of you are, you know, exactly on that same wavelength. And that is so powerful. I think that, you know, to go back to what I said earlier, I think that there's a certain level of honoriness. Like when you're, when you're cultivating a passionate person, you have to also cultivate a certain level of, I love the word honoriness. Like, mm -hmm. like, that's all right. I got that. We're going to do it. You know, cause there's a resoluteness in that. 
And I love that part. Resoluteness yeah. is the attitude that I'm not giving up. It's not here. It's in your muscles. Yeah. And in a few weeks, I'm talking to this amazing musician from India, like one of the best vocalists. For eight to 10 years, he never wrote a break. All he did every day was found himself in eight to 10 different places. And he would just go and say, hey, Krishna, can I say two, sing two lines for you? And sing two lines, okay? He never asked, waited for it. But he was always ready for the first day when he gets the chance. Okay? He slept on a pavement at a railway station. And you know, to me, I just feel that these are the kind of people who would have been successful anything they wanted to, because for him, everything's possible. Like he, for a never single day, chose to walk away from that. So from that, with all the wisdom that is there, Christina, if you could now go back and talk to that kiddo, okay, who is just getting ready to take that, just got freshly elected to run the school uh, project, you know, what would be your advice to give to that young kiddo, Christina? Yeah. Um... For my own self, um, my advice probably would have been um, would have been not to be such a bulldozer because I was a bulldozer um, of ideas. You know, I would get so fixated on an idea um, that sometimes I did not occur as as caring to others. So that's in my own kind of personal perspective. Mm -hmm. When um, when I talk with with kiddos now and we talk about you know what is the advice what is the coaching it is to it is it is it goes back to our our core and that is to say know always that you have absolute value and also know that you have infinite potential and any time that you consider that those two things or either of those things is not true and recognize that you're operating in a place of fear mm -hmm. and that, that the objective at that point is to eliminate the fear. Figure it out, figure out whatever it takes to let that go so that you can blast through that. Because, you know, each of us mm -hmm. here on this planet has their own unique gifts, things that they didn't earn. They just came into the world with. We have our own strengths. And we have this way of being. And if you opt into a way of being of a passionate life, your capacity to combine those gifts and those strengths and those passions, mm -hmm. that in fact creates your gift to the world, your purpose. That's what you were brought here for. So the last question, and this one, I think I could have put it on a pay-per-view because every kiddo, every parent of kiddo, they want to know this about you. For you to accomplish so much on a given day, I feel that leaders like you always have a process, okay? You know at any point of time what's the most important thing to do and you focus on that. So is there a routine that you have, like the first thing you do when you wake up or the la and the last thing when you're winding down and you're finishing your work day, that you would love to share with the rest of us? Um, the last thing that I do um, every day is um, every year I have a list um, typed up for me 
and it has the list of name of every single one of my students um, and the family's name and every one of our faculty and our staff's name. And every day I read that list. So what I do. Why? Because it is, it is for them that my life serves. Got it. And, and I, I, I want to take a moment to not only like thank them, but also to wish good for them, to, to consider and to remember what we're doing this for. Sometimes we get so focused as business leaders on the business that we forget that in the end, it's all about people. And it's our capacity to edify and inspire people, either what we do directly or via the team that is, is helping to bring that mission and that vision and strategic plan to life. So I would tell you at the end of the day, whether I read the list or, you know, I, you know, in my mind, I walk through that, but I would tell you that that is that place of both gratitude and intention that they know their value and they know their potential and they're living into it and that I'm doing the same for them. Um, in the morning, um, you know, I, I don't have as tried and true routine as a lot of other folks. Um, uh, I don't, I don't always sleep that well. My mind is, is going a lot. And so the, is about the ideas that have come to me through the night. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's usually making sure that those get placed properly because they're usually a priority issue that I've been able to have some clarification or some, or some ideation around. And then that sets the course. So I would tell you if I, if there's one habit every morning, it is to always give credence to the creativity that has come out of me and come out of my noggin uh, through the night. Wow. So for, for all of us, we heard it here first that Christina Scala, even when she sleeps, she still is working. <laughs> ideas are coming out. <laughs> I wish I was sleeping all the way through the night. <laughs> Christina, this is simply incredible. Like I am personally looking forward to listening to it myself again, and maybe a few times to capture all the nuggets that you shared. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And thank you on behalf of all the kids, all the parents, all the teachers that you think of every night. And the 55 million in this country, and I was doing the math, ballpark one out of six, and these are the people who will be in charge of the future of the country, and it just makes me feel good and relieved to know that they all will have access to future holders, that we will be in hands of amazing leaders in future. So thank Amen. you, Christina, for you. your help and Thanks. for sharing. Thanks. Wow. You were just listening to Christina Scala. And today, there are three things that I just want to bring in the summary. One is a very simple place, lot of business leaders, we get stuck. What's the vision, what's the mission, what's the value? Vision is the X on the map. It's a clear destination, clarity. And if everybody in the team is not going towards the same place, we fall into the trap of the seven 
blind man and the elephant. Next is the mission, the path, the path that takes you there. And again, that's the path where all of us have to commit and we have our share of what we do. And then, which was very important on the value, is how you show up. So that was so beautifully crystal clear how Christina, you said that. The second big nugget that was about, you know, started with adults, but then you, you know, made it broader for business leaders is, let's just not push our point of view from the very beginning. Let's zip our lips and follow the kids or our team. And we tease out the habit of curiosity and reach in for every possibility. And also two things that was there in the tactics that you talked about was very, they were priceless because we many a time do these is we do not trust the capabilities of people. We make bite-sizing things like this project. Can you just do a tiny left turn and a right turn and this and report to me and every, no. Stop bite-sizing because know that we as human beings are capable to tackle hard stuff. And an extension of that was one of my favorite nuggets, which I've already shared once is, you know, from you is, you know, prepare the path for them. Sorry, Krista, can you just help me with that one? It was. Yep. Prepare, your ch prepare your child for the path, not the path for your child. Got it. So see, I really need to listen to it one more time. And finally, I really felt that, you know, in the business world, many a time we define ourselves based on checklists. And what you showed us was, do not just live off a checklist because to me, no task, it's, you know, just look at the possibilities because yes, checklists are important at certain point of time, but it was all about the possibilities. And I really think that this podcast will resonate with leaders of all walks of life from all around the world Thank you again, Christina Scala, for an incredible share. Thank you. So you're listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun, and it's truly a pleasure to bring these amazing nuggets. So please subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or you can go to zenmango.com, and under the podcast tab, you'll find all other podcasts. Please subscribe because that is personally the reward and the recognition that I look forward to and I just look at every read every feedback from each one of you every day. Again, thank you and happy listening. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.